Jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So what exactly does that mean? It is a figure of speech in reference to a person who has dabbled in many things rather than gaining expertise by only focusing on one. So much knowledge and wisdom out there, at our fingertips, yet so difficult to grasp. Everything and everyone has a little piece of the truth, and it is up to us to determine what our truth is. In this busy world, creating the time, the space to nourish our bodies, mind, and soul has become a difficult task. So let's take a moment to learn something, something small, in whatever way the universe decides to reveal it. It could be someone's story, a quote, a spiritual practice, maybe a song or a movie. The opportunities are limitless and all around us if we just take a moment to see. We are all students of life experiences, so let us learn from one another. There is no right or wrong path. There is only your path and your journey. So let's begin our adventure and explore all the world has to offer and let us become a master of none. Now this week, we have a dear, dear friend of mine all the way from Boulder, Colorado. Um, you know them as Hollis T Taylor, also AKA Izzy Ahi. Um, our guest is trans man, identifies as trans man and non-binary. Um, Hollis is a psychic activist medium, an artist, an astrologer, author. Um, the list goes on and on as to what Hollis brings to the table. Um, they traveled, they had traveled the country going from place to place um, with healing, health, and with music, dance, whatever spirituality that they could bring. And Hollis and I had connected in, in a pretty interesting way. But without further ado, I want to bring on Hollis. So let's give a warm welcome. Hey, hey Hollis, how are you? I'm excellent. So glad to be on your show today. I love this idea. I love your show <laughs> already. You. I just love the Thank idea. You. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's neat because like people always like see stories from like celebrities and yeah, that's great, but they don't speak for all of us. Like, I mean, I love Laverne Cox, but she doesn't speak for me. You know, um, I love Chaz Bono, but he doesn't speak for me each each story within the LGBT is so unique and that it needs to be heard. So delving right in, I want you to let our viewers know, tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, I am an author. I am a coach, uh, but I use, I'm a little bit different in my coaching because I use astrology and tarot and psychic things and, um, things like that. And I use those because those are the tools I used to overcome right. my, my own traumas. So I want to welcome the idea to think outside the box of how to heal or how right. to get better or change your life. So that's who I am really. And, <laughs> um, I have been around the country and I guess have traveled the world a little bit, hopefully to travel more. And uh, I, I see the country in a van. 
So <laughs> that, so that must kind have been of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting perspective. Uh, wow. It was really great to see the national parks and to see our wilderness. Um, yeah. I was very lucky to manifest that by simply going to nursing homes. So wow. that's how I did that. Um, so, amazing. you know, there's all it's all got a cool story behind it. But that's pretty much who I am. I'm kind of I have a lot of things that I do and offer the world. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want you to. Well, what was it like growing up as Hollis? <laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, I was born into a home that was abusive, um, neglectful. It was pretty much dysfunction junction. Um, both my parents had a drinking problem. My mom also had a drug problem. Uh, eventually, my, my dad actually got sober just before I was born, which I was very, very grateful for. And he was actually blind. And uh, when my parents got divorced at, at the young age of five, uh, I was really, I really lost my father. Like, I really missed him. And I was very grateful when my parents were able to work it out so I could see my dad. Right. And so my dad and I were actually quite close and I was a bit of a caregiver for him. But he was also very present with me, even mm. though it was just on the weekends in these short little spurts. But for those spurts, I had a parent. Right. For those spurts, right. I had someone that loved me and someone that celebrated me. During the other times, there was mostly nobody around. I kind of grew up in a alone, uh, alone all the time, latchkey kid. Nobody was ever there. My mom was usually out partying. Later, she got sober uh, when I was 11 or 12. During that time, I'm just going to give you a little trigger warning. I was sexually abused. Um, and, you know, I... I was abused and raped by, because there was no one in the home to pay attention, you know, and that's what happens. And my family was also uh, incestuous. And I think all of that stemmed from my mom's trauma, who also had a similar childhood that I just described. And as we know, sometimes these things are passed down in generations when they're not dealt with. And it was clearly not dealt with. When I was 12 years old, my mom had a mental breakdown because she remembered what happened to her. So um, it's, it was a really, what I would call an awful childhood. It, I, you know, I'm sure it could have been worse. It definitely could have been better. And at the same time, it also made me who I am. So I've come to terms with it now. And I've done a lot of emotional work using some pretty unusual tools to overcome not just the trauma of living in, a, in that home, but also realizing that I was non-binary, coming to terms with being my gender variance. My gender variance was always there. I always actually thought I had both, mm, which yeah. um, is kind of 
like being intersex, but not really. Like I wasn't born that way. And intersex people have their whole separate journey and they're totally interesting, great people. Right. And, um, and they have their own troubles to overcome. Mine was like, I thought something was wrong with me because my dysphoria felt like I had both body parts. So my dysphoria was a little bit different than the average trans man. But at the same time, as time went on, I felt that I had to work through the trauma of all my, all the crap I went through as a kid in order to really determine if I was truly trans. Yeah, I realized a lot in the, like with mine, I started with therapy and yeah, you have to get through a lot of that childhood trauma because I mean, I, when I think of mine, it was very abusive as well. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I overcame it, but I'd like to say that I made space for it. In other words, because like you said, it helps you, it helps create who you are, you know, and there, there were many things is that like, as a parent, when I ended up becoming a parent, I realized, mm, yeah, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. Someone has to stop that cycle of abuse. And like you were saying, you know, if it's not dealt with, it's just going to keep repeating. History keeps repeating itself. And I know when I had my children, I was just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to do the complete opposite of what they did. And I guess, I don't know, maybe I did a different type of trauma to my kids. I don't know. I'd hate to think I did, but, you know, I like to think that I, I made space for that. And you learn to live with it. And, you know, some days are better than others, you know. Well, I also have changed the way I interact with the world by doing things like CBT and EBT, um, which is like tapping. And, and uh, I also do a lot of yoga and meditation and I do what they call alchemy. Um, I've really shifted. And I also had the same experience as you when I got pregnant at 17. I, I, I didn't want to do what my mom did to me, right? I had that same, like, I can't do the same thing. So I did, um, I did make some mistakes. I wasn't a perfect parent, right. but I certainly right. did not traumatize my son the way I was traumatized at all. Um, he, I was very present for him. And uh, I was even a Boy Scout leader. I was, I was, uh, I, I went all the way. In fact, I have all the honorary boy scout things that make you a great leader and oh, um, and i did that with my son because he loved it until he got purple hair they started making a big deal about being gay mm. and he was questioning and so we just kind of left so uh and we went we went into other things so but i was very present for my son's entire life and i also homeschooled him for part of his education, which saved him because every time he would go to school, he would fall behind. And when he worked with me, he would get ahead. So <laughs> that's so funny because I homeschooled mine too. That's such a similar story. It was the same thing. They, what I felt they were teaching them was like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, let's teach them real history. Let's teach them the truth about what's going on in society. And I ended up doing all, Every single one of my kids I homeschooled. Now, they didn't stay with me. When they got to high school, I was just like, yeah, no, you're going to school. 
that's <laughs> I did the easy years, you know. But yeah, no. And I think that's like the best thing I could have done for my kids. I agree. I think homeschooling my son was the best thing I could have done. And I think also doing scouts with him and, and taking him on all the adventures that I took him and all his friends. That's yeah. really what it boiled down to. I was the leader. So yeah. the other per, other leader with me was another mom. And yeah. we just took our kids on adventures. You know, we took them mountain biking and, and whitewater rafting and, you know, and the, and the boys raised their own money to do these things, skiing right. and all kinds of things. And that, I think that was also a priceless experience to be in nature, to be with nature and to get exposed to these rather uh, challenging things. It's, it's not easy to backpack the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> no. <laughs> And just that three, we didn't do the whole trail. We just did a portion of it. And, you know, we had everything we needed on our backs. But there was something that happened. I watched those boys transform in those three days that we were on that trail. I watched those boys. They didn't take water for granted anymore. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So. And. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was about to say, so basically you we go through your childhood and I know there's a subject we did want to touch, um, which is uh, the sex working, which trigger, I don't know, some people are triggered about that, um, sex working. And I really thought that would be an interesting thing for you to explain. Well, it was kind of an interesting thing because what happened to me was I was like 17 and I was working at a warehouse. It was a really sucky job, frankly. And um, I was married to a man who uh, who also uh, was, was gender uh, different, but he chose to stay in the closet. Mm -hmm. And, but he was also open sexually. He wasn't possessive or any of those things. And we were kind of swingers and I liked exploring my sexuality. So, uh, <laughs> so I was working at this warehouse and occasionally I would do phone sex. Just <laughs> fun. Just, yeah. just, just, just because I thought it was fun. Right. And the guy who I was talking to was like, I, I pay you <laughs> to do, <laughs> have you ever? thought uh, you're really good at this and I found yeah. out that I was really good at it so back then there was no cam none of that didn't happen so really? I just started doing phone sex and I was good at it and yeah. I worked for a couple of services there was some drama in there but eventually I opened my own service and my husband left his job at the warehouse so he could help me run my business because it wow. was so busy. I couldn't manage all the books and the money and we were making big money. Wow. And we ran our business like that at home for years. Wow. And then, uh, and then, you know, uh, the twin towers were hit in New York. And I actually had at that point 
had started to uh, work in film. I started to uh, do safe. I chose to be a porn actress. And that was actually a really, it was great because I was doing phone sex most of the time. And then, you know, I'd make a couple, I'd make a bunch of money on the weekend or something, which was great. Now, my son was not aware of any of this. He just thought that I worked at a home and I built websites, which was true because I did. And I built my own website. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, And I did that for years and he just didn't know. And then when it came time to homeschool, he would have to, I would work at night and then homeschool him. And then he would go to like um, his friend's house or something in the afternoon or his dad would do something with him while I slept. And so so we just cooperated. And eventually I became an adult star. And um, after the Twin Towers thing happened, uh, I... It was hard. I don't know what happened, but my business just went. Mm. Uh, And what I also realized at that time, though, was that I hadn't grown into what was happening on the Internet, which was cam. Mm. And so I started doing cam, uh, which was different, but more chat and a little bit more challenging and but but good at the same time. And I had all the control. Okay. Just don't, there's no, no one manipulated me. No one forced me. I made all the choices. In fact, I used to run parties. Um, we called them members parties cause they were members of our website. Right. Mm-hmm. And they would just come to my members party and I was in charge of the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. And the men that came that worked with us, not just my husband, my husband was my bodyguard. Um, He was six foot four. He was a huge guy. And so he could easily, you know, just choke somebody up if they did something wrong. And the other guy, other guys I worked with were mostly cam and tech. They would edit the videos or sell them. And I did that for, I total, if you count the phone sex years and then, that and then eventually i towards the end i really started to experiment with bdsm and i found that bdsm was healing some of the trauma wounds from my childhood and it became priceless It's, Uh, it's so sad how taboo um sex and bdsm has is it's just so sad it's you know, everybody thinks it's so dirty and it's so, you know, this and that and realize don't, if there's therapy within all this, you know, it's not just acting out like in some like random thing. There is, there is a, a thing here that's therapeutic, especially within the BDSM. You know, I, I know I've heard countless stories of people who have found healing through BDSM because of childhood trauma. Yeah. And that's, that, that is a thing, you know, and the whole sex work thing, I mean, I'm just pissed off. They just need to legalize it. Okay. Just well, everything legalize I all of it. You know, because people have to do it anyway. Yeah. Everything I mentioned was legal. Everything yeah. I'm doing so far is legal. Although yeah. at some point I did do some private 
escorting slash prostitution, right. if that's what you right. want to call it. Right. Um, I do believe that prostitution should be legalized. Yeah. It became clear to me that it was no different than giving a massage. Mm-hmm. Um, giving a massage, you have to use your personal energy. You have to use your hands. You have to touch mm-hmm. them. And it, it kind of leads to the same place. <laughs> um, and I had clients that I also serviced in that way. They mm-hmm. paid me really well. Uh, I was always in control. My husband was always my bodyguard. And I just didn't, I just, you know, there was a lot of judgment. And that's why I didn't tell anybody. That's why I kept it a secret. And I was kind of in the closet a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in the end, now that I've left it, and I'm not other than a supporter of legalizing it, and happy to support anyone that's in it, especially if they're there on their own accord. Um, You know, like now it's not such a big deal. And if somebody's going to judge me because I at or because I was a sex worker, I don't really want to talk to them anyway. Right, right, exactly. They have no place in, 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 in your life because nobody has time for that type of judgment. You know, people need to, you know, it's it's no different than any other job. You have your nine to five jobs. You, it's work. It is a job. You know, there are worse things people could be doing. And, you know, and to even judge, like I have, you know, like I said, I know many people within the sex working and like, you know, and, and, and they're like, they seem nervous to tell me. And I'm like, no, it's a job. It's what you do. You know, it's it's not a job I could do. But then there are things that I can do that they can't do, you know, which it's just to look at it for what it is, you know, right. and like I can't stand the whole judgment on it. It's just ridiculous. And there were definitely times that I had fun, you know, like I oh, mean, yeah. um, not all the time. Sometimes it was like, really? Um, <laughs> and then other times it was like, oh, this is this is interesting. And I was always interested to see what I would like or what I didn't like. Right, right. And BDSM definitely had its place, but it also can be addictive. All of it can be addictive. And I think that there's a balancing act. So I also mm-hmm. learned a lot about that. Yeah. And I think that because we make it shameful, because we look down on it, that we end up we end up shaming people away from things that they're first of all that they're just good at, frankly, a lot you when you talk to sex workers sometimes you'll find out that some of us do it because we're good at it mm-hmm. <laughs> no mm-hmm. other reason except that well i'm good at it and i was really good at it right. and that's why i stayed there for 25 years and i yeah. ran my own business in the meantime right. i learned marketing i learned how to build my own business. I learned how to build websites and edit video and all kinds of technology. I learned how to do business with people. I learned all kinds of things. I have a nice comment here from Alan. You're selling a service. It's two consenting adults. There should be no issue. I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Thank you for that comment. I mean, that's it. You have two or more, you know, he, he just wrote again, two or more consenting adults within this act. 
Right. So what's the issue? Right, exactly. Yeah. And and being a sex worker, it, it, it has some impact on you, you know, so you are impacted. Usually, though, the biggest impact is the culture's shame. Yes, true. That's the biggest impact true. that you 100%. have to deal with. Uh, Patricia asks, what does that stand for? No judgment. Um, if Patricia, if you could uh, elaborate a little more. So we can, because we would love to answer your question. If you could just elaborate a little bit more on the question, because I didn't quite understand it. And I want to make sure that the questions get answered. Yeah. As we and go I, through. I, just because you ask questions, I won't assume that you're judging me. Right, right. Because this is definitely safe zone, no judgment. Oh, BDSM. Oh, oh okay. All bondage, right. There we go. <laughs> bondage, domination, sadism, and masochism. So bondage, yeah. meaning like rope. And do, um, domination is like where a lot of times with guys, I was paid to do things like wear women's clothes and get on your knees and kiss my feet and right. things like that. That's domination. Sadism is the act of getting off or being aroused or stimulated by someone else's pain. Mm -hmm. And masochism is the opposite of that, which is by receiving, by being spanked, by being whipped, that the person actually receives what would be considered exciting um, yeah. stimulation. Right. So if you've ever had a sexual experience where you got a little spanked or something, that's the light version of BDSM. Right. Yeah. Um, or if like a woman uh, says to a man, um, you know, eat me or something like that, then that's kind of domination. Right. Uh, right. So it, it comes in a lot of flavors. And mm. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my number one client were, were cross-dressers. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's really and interesting. That's totally interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I was trans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's crazy how like people see it like when, when, when I, not that I'm, I'm segueing a little bit, but like when I started my transition, people were like, like I would tell them and they'd be like, yeah, like it's like they seen it before I saw it, you know, like I had always known, but I just find it so funny that in situations people see you and know that you automatically take a certain role. So even like with, with that community, the BDSM community, it's like they already knew you know, and assumed that role on their part because they already assumed your role, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, right? it was totally odd to me, especially when guys would want me to wear like a strap on or something. Yeah. So like I was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, and to me, it was like, okay, trying something else, you know, no. <laughs> I, t I tend to try anything, you know, a couple of times and decide yeah, if I yeah. like it. Usually right. try it with more than one person. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was explorative. I was happy to explore sexuality and it definitely yeah. helped me heal. Yeah. Remember I was raped at five and eight. Wow. So I was able to take those instances and they became they literally became isolated incidences. 
right that they no longer had a huge impact on me and that i didn't walk around afraid of men mm-hmm. i didn't walk around um afraid that if you touch me in a certain way it would trigger old memories i wasn't afraid of those memories those memories right. were part of who i was and i wasn't afraid of those feelings because of my work in the BDSM because I became empowered. Yeah. I became sexually empowered for sure. As a as a as a dominatrix in those last few years as a dominatrix, I became sexually empowered. I became so empowered that I left. Well because for like I, the last five or ten years I didn't know any other way to make money. Right, right. I had made so much money that way and I was, and I was available to raise my son. Look at that. See, that's the whole thing. It's just like, well, not going off topic, but like you were saying about the exploring, I think that when you don't give yourself the opportunity to explore is when it starts becoming like, okay, you got the opportunity to explore. It ended up empowering you. When you don't allow yourself that opportunity, you stifle yourself. That's when it starts becoming, you start doing things that can get out of hand because you're not, or your your thoughts or whatever, people keeping that inside, they're not exploring their sexuality. And then and it has nothing to do with gay or anything like that. It has to do with, hmm, do I like this? No, I like this. Hmm, does, does this work for me or doesn't it? And I think when you don't explore is when you start going down a dark path because you don't, you don't know. And then people start cheating. People start destroying families all because they weren't honest and open from the door and saying, Hey, I want to explore. I want to try this or I want to try that. And you don't have a healthy sex life. In the end, you just don't have a healthy sex life. Yeah. And I would totally agree with you. And the, the, the interesting part about, all of that was is that I came to the conclusion that I actually remember I'm working with women, tons of beautiful models with women. And in fact, uh, you know, I was even married to a woman and the two of us did lesbian stuff on, and we got paid really well. And so, you know, in a lot of ways it, it, empowered me to explore that and you know i was empowered enough to say hey i think i can be lesbian and also it empowered me to say to my wife and say i think i might be trans Mm. and you know and to be able to awaken to i'm trans and it did come through my sexuality and i think Mm. that's okay i know that not all of us not all trans people have it come through their sexuality some people have it in a different way but that's definitely how mine came through and it doesn't make me bad or shamed and you know it just is i just realized that i was having gender dysphoria and that i actually seen myself as more of a masculine person and i was actually more comfortable with that and i was able to explore that because of my sexuality being so open it was right. already wide open. I'd already opened every other door. And that was just the last one. And the more I 
worked with cross-dressers that were challenged. I mean, some of these guys were so ashamed of themselves. Yeah. It was yeah. sad. And, but at the same time, they would push me to question about my own gender. Right. And that's what pushed me through. And it's, I think it's interesting that I was sent that all of these cross-dressers were knocking down my door, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that that happened. And I was just like, okay, well, I don't know why, but they just love me. <laughs> and gosh, I think I might kind of like them too. Right. And, you know, I really wanted to explore gender expression and uh, through sexuality. Yeah. I think it's a perfectly great place and opening place to explore your sexual, to explore your gender identity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have a great comment here from Alan. He's got great comments. There's something to be said by taking what you're afraid of dominant submission bondage and put it into an environment where you have control and consent. It's powerful and emotionally liberating. 100%. 100%. 100%. That's exactly what happened. And because I had all the control, there was nothing to be afraid of. Because right. I could say, yay, nay, I could yeah. say, go get out. And right. I could say to a guy I didn't like, get him out of here. And right. they would remove him. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a break real quick. And uh, if you have any questions, just think of them. And we're going to get into some more interesting talk when we get back. Divine Androgen, A Sacred Path for Gender Variant People, a book dedicated to every drag performer, transgender person, and other gender variant people that have passed to the other side, that have suffered the wrath of our binary world. Thank you for living your truth and treading us a path. We are sorry that in many cases that cost you your life. Now, we ask for your assistance in helping humans evolve so that we may all live in peace and equality. We honor your life by walking our own personal path of authenticity. Get this amazing book all about living as a non-binary person, a gender variant person in a binary world, how to navigate it, how to harvest your true self when you're surrounded by binary. It's a guidebook for people searching for their true selves. The book is intended for people that are gender variant and can be helpful for people searching for a more authentic self or clearing trauma. This book is about treading your own path. It includes my story in the beginning, all about how I figured out how I express gender, and now how it comes out for me, how I discovered it, and how I dealt in the world as a response to that. And it also details out the ways that I unfolded myself in a way that helped me live in a binary world, even though I was non-binary. There are steps in here to help you define your own path, Hollis uses the word divine androgen. It's like a label to define someone that defines their own authentic path 
regardless of their gender expression, in a way to say that it is sacred to be non-binary, to be transgender, to be queer. It is sacred. Not religious. No, no. We're talking about more of a spiritual, conscious awareness of ourselves and our path on authenticity. This book is about defining your path of authenticity, as authentic and unique as that is for you. You can also order the book at divineandrogen.com. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah. And so, I should let everybody know that Hollis and I do a Sunday show, uh, Rainbow Soul, and we talk about spirituality. So, guys, make sure you check that out. Yeah, it's an interesting show because, well, the other thing that being an adult star did was it gave me a lot of time, a lot of free time to do things and explore things and a lot of freedom to go to pagan events and explore my spirituality. Because remember, I'm a pretty explorative person. Right. So, right. yeah. So it was Definitely. great for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to touch on being trans, what it is, and I want us to be able to bring your book into this. I think it's, I think that would be a nice way of explaining to everyone. Your, you know, because I, I want to, I want to emphasize everybody's journey is different. Everybody's level of trans is different. There, there is no right or wrong way to be trans. So um, I think that this is a really neat perspective that Hollis can share with us on their journey. Well, let me just tell you a little bit how I got there. Because as I started to explore my gender variance, that's what I call it. That's kind of my umbrella term for all cross-dressing, drag people, everything, Okay. So when I started to explore my gender variants, I had the realization that I was probably trans because I had friends that were trans and they would share their experience. And I was in college as an adult um, and I went to um, Gay Straight Alliance meeting and this trans person shared their story. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is totally resonates with me. That happens to me. Oh my gosh. And the yeah. more I heard their story, the more it resonated with me. Right. I wouldn't say, and I would say that what happened after that was I started to make choices for myself. So I did explore first. I thought, well, maybe I'm not trans. Maybe I just, maybe I just need to be with women. So I was with women and not just sexually but emotionally in a committed relationship where uh i was truly lesbian right and even in that i came to the conclusion that i was trans and i went to a therapist and we worked through a lot of my trauma we did a lot of cbt ebt is tapping um it's when you're having a trauma response and you tap I find that tapping on my forehead is actually uh, can be helpful sometimes, especially on my third eye, if I'm having a meltdown. Nice. So I had to separate my trauma from who I was. And then I realized, I think I'm actually trans, especially when I started praying. 
Mm. I started diving deep into yoga. And yoga is very alchemical, in case you didn't know. Mm. What happens is you're breathing. So you're there's one element. You're moving your body at the same time with the with the breath. Now at the time I was 270 pounds. Mm. I was a very and very I'm not even five feet. Okay. Mm. I was a very big person. And I started to do yoga and do this breathing and focus. And the more I would focus, what I started focusing on was changing my body to meet what I actually felt and to explore what I actually felt. And that's what I write about in this book is how to do that. Mm. How to use tools like yoga, Tai Chi, and other spiritual tools to figure out who you are without the influence of a religion, without the influence of other things. And what happened was I had trans friends and we went out to the club one night. I was having a hard time and she was like, she's trans woman. And she was like, well, let's go out and have a drink. So we went to the club and who, and who did I find, but a whole bunch of drag Queens (laughs) and they were performing. And in fact, this guy even proposed to his now drag wife, whom is my drag mom, Jade. Okay. But I, they didn't know me and I didn't know them at the time. Okay. And I had to go to the bathroom and I went behind stage. And I was like, I was like, let me talk to a drag queen because I had seen in their show, they had one drag king come Mm. out. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Oh my gosh. I think I could even do that a little bit better. Right. so, um, So there was my ego, but that's okay. You have to have an exercise for your ego. And so I came in and they were like, oh yeah, honey, you can join amateur drag race. And they gave me the information and we exchanged contact information so I could get on the list. And when I started to explore drag, as I began to perform, first of all, it was a, I was pretty much a male impersonator. I looked like a guy when you seen me, that's what it meant. I passed in the trans world. Okay. Except for my voice. Right. So as long as I didn't say anything, people thought I was a guy. Okay. I could walk down the street and I even got he pronouns, especially Mm. from the drag community. They had no problem giving me he pronouns. And even my partner started using he pronouns, especially when I was in drag. And I started getting those pronouns. And the more I was in it, I realized that although he was part of me, that that wasn't all of me, that I couldn't help that I was in this body. And so I was like, huh, well, I'm going to stay doing drag because I like doing drag. Drag is great. It's great medicine. And we could go on about that for a while. But at some point, I just said, huh, I actually think I might be both. And my God, we were having a ceremony in my backyard and my godson said to me, 
hey, and I explained this feeling that I think I might be both. And he was very open-minded young man. And, uh, and I said that to him and he was like, doesn't alchemy celebrate that? You know, the alchemical fire circle people hmm. don't they celebrate that. <clears throat> and in my exploration, I quickly came to this symbology, right? Which this symbology is pretty simple. This is a rebus R E B I S. You can look it up. And it's an ancient symbol from astrology, from alchemy. Alchemy's been around for a very long time. I'm not even sure how long. A right. long time. Okay. Right. And uh, it is essentially the balance of opposites, male and female. And it is seen as a sacred expression in the alchemical world. And right. I had happened to know, because I had been part of another group that ended up not being a very good group. It was actually a cult, but there was a group that came and visited them that brought a healing modality to them called out mm. called an alchemical fire circle. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I think you might be right. <laughs> and uh, he kind of inspired me to go back to my community, but I could avoid the cult this time because that's where we knew right. each other from. And he was, he didn't want to go back to the cult either. Okay. Right. And, um, I went back to the alchemical fires. I eventually went back to the, I went back to a community that I was pretty sure was involved with the alchemical fires and I had planned to go, but here's the funny story. So I was doing my Hobbit, which came from my drag. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And this guy who I happened to know uh, was like, hey, can you come be in my fairy festival? I was like, okay. And he's totally mm -hmm. cool with trans people. It's a very trans accepting community right. because they're part of the alchemical community. Uh, okay. okay. So they see me and they're like, we don't care if you're, we're, we're glad you're trans. Come on. Right, right. And I was celebrated there. And that's where I met my partner. And that's where I got the download to start working with the elderly. And that's how we started traveling in a van around the country. The interesting part about that, working with the elderly, they had dementia. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I would come up to them and offer them to dance. Now about 80% of the population in nursing homes are female, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, cause most of the time men, they have, yeah. they die off early. Okay. And the women are kind of living a long time in these homes. And so I would invite them to dance. Hmm. And the interesting part about it was they would see me as a guy. Right, right. They they would be like, some of them would question. Some of them would say, are you a boy or a girl? And I would say, <laughs> does it matter? And they'd right. be like, I guess not. Because yeah. they're like 90, right? Yeah, and right, then, right. But a lot of them would be like, oh, you're my boyfriend from high school. Oh. And I'd be like, Okay. Cause they're just <laughs> dancing. They're just, we're just dancing together in the middle of the room. 
and it's good for them to have exercise. And I, I'm a CNA. So mm. that means a certified nursing assistant. So I'm licensed to help elderly move around. And so when my partner and I started doing this around the nation, it was like the greatest job for somebody like me because more than half of the population seen me as a guy. Right. They never questioned it. They seen me who I was. They seen beyond my body and they seen in my eyes that I was, uh, that I was non-binary. Right. There's something validating about that, you know, when, when other people see it, you know, that, that they don't like, I mean, I still get every now and again, you get the few that they'll use the wrong pronoun with me and I'll just be like, like, what do you see? Like, let's just put everything else aside. And what do you genuinely see? You know, how can you say like the wrong pronoun and literally look at me? Like, I don't get it, but there is something so beautiful and so validating when somebody just genuinely sees you, you know, and it's not just like you say the passing as they put it. Um, It's, it's, they literally see like even before I I started therapy or anything, people just saw, they just saw me. They didn't, they didn't see anything else. So yeah. Now what did end up happening was before COVID right before COVID and the years leading up to COVID, my cycle, I still had my cycle and I had accepted my cycle that it would probably end soon because of my age. Um, And I just assumed that I would be menopausal. So I'm just going to use the word. A lot of people don't use it, but I'm going to use it because it's important. A lot of people don't talk about it. And I started feeling the changes in my body, but they got really bad. Those feelings mm-hmm. got real, those, uh, I got, I got really sick at COVID when COVID happened. And of course mm-hmm. we had to stop visiting the nursing homes. I mean, I visited nursing homes right up to the time I, in fact, the last one I went to, they gave sana- hand sanitizer to everybody. We didn't mm-hmm. know about masks yet. And I danced with a whole bunch of people in LA at mm-hmm. a adult daycare and it was really beautiful. And then we also did a small one in Arizona and it was kind of the same thing. They did the, they ch- tested my, they wanted to see if I had a, a fever on the fever. way in. Anyway, I never developed a fever, but I did get very sick and it wasn't COVID. It was actually my hormones and I had to go to a doctor and all this other stuff. And thank goodness I live in Colorado and that's where I'm registered at because the doctors here are very open-minded. When you live in Colorado, it's not unusual to be trans. You can go into a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado and ask for they pronouns and they'll give them to you. Right. Uh, it's not weird out here, okay? Right. And so I went to the doctor and they've been covering this for a long time and they were like, oh, well, we're not going to put you on estrogen then. If you're non-binary, we're going to put you on testosterone. And I also found out I had a heart condition. And that's Mm. why I got so sick. And I was born with it. Are you ready for this? I was born with a big heart. Oh, very good. (laughs) That that speaks a lot. (laughs) 
That's exactly like, what well, I said to my. It makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> I, my doctor told me that I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. So, um, but I'm okay, and I'm not going to yeah. have a heart attack or anything. And I can exercise yeah. and move my body, but I have to be on some medication so I'm not uncomfortable while my hormones do this shift. Yeah, I've decided to naturally go through the change. Okay. For health reasons, it would right. be better for me, for my health. Right. And I think that that's why the trans journey is different for all of us. Yes. All of us are in a different body and oh, our yeah. bodies don't all respond to things in the same way. And for me to take hormones before I got sick uh, was kind of not in my... I, I didn't want to for numerous reasons. Number one, blood uh, blood clots run in my family. Number two, uh, I wasn't comfortable with synthetic hormones. I'm not comfortable with synthetic <laughs> anything. Yeah, right. I, it's okay. Bless you. And <laughs> I'm not comfortable with, I'm not even comfortable with the synthetic hormones I'm on now, but I don't have any choice because right. of my health. Um, and I'm glad that they understood and were like, well, we're not going to put you on estrogen. We're going to put you on testosterone instead because it makes more sense. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to have doctors that considered all of me. They even said that. Well, we have to consider all of you while we're treating you. And yeah. I'm so grateful for that. And there was a reason why I had to move to Colorado I used to live in Pennsylvania. My drag king was born in Pennsylvania. So um, that's how I'm part of lacrosse's family, drag family. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's why, that this is why I had to be out here so that I could mm. be treated in a way that was more holistic because that's my medicine. My really? medicine is holistic. And that's what my book is even about. It's about yeah. holistically becoming your most authentic self. Right. And if you're gender variant, this will speak to you. If even if you're not gender variant, like my partner's not gender variant, but she was still like, this is still a valid book, even if you're not trans. Right. Because if, if you're thinking about just becoming your authentic self, I mean, Yes, being trans is, that's the journey, but it can apply to anybody being right. your authentic self regardless. So, yeah. And you don't have to judge others. You know, I didn't have to say to other people that were choosing to take hormones that it was wrong for them because it wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. wrong for them. It was okay for them. And I think every single person on their trans journey has to make that decision whatever that looks like for you like there's just too much to consider not just that but your value system and your belief system your spirituality all of yeah. those things need to be taken into consideration oh absolutely absolutely i mean i i i myself i mean i decided to take the hormones um sadly now at this point i have to cut my dose back big time due to heart condition because i have bad blood pressure so I had to cut it back to like microdosing, um, but I mean, to me it was more. I had to get the surgeries done. That's where I felt complete. You know, once I had all my surgeries done, then I'm like, even if I don't, even if I have to get off the testosterone, that doesn't really 
matter. What matters is, is I've become my authentic self and I took that journey and this is where, where mine led me. So that's where yours led you. Like I said, there's no right or wrong journey. There's just yeah. your journey, you know? Exactly. So. And I, I, that's, you know, and that's what's most important. And to yeah. be frank with you, if we could teach kids to just be their most authentic self from the get go, yeah. I think our world would greatly benefit. And that's Absolutely. why I did the other book. That's why I did this book. I'm the publisher of this book. My partner wrote this book. This is a book. The entire thing uses gender neutral pronouns. Nice. No nice. time are any of the characters gendered, which oh. is priceless when you're raising yes. kids. Yeah. I mean, because they're still, they're trying to figure their little minds out and what, what's going yeah. on. Yeah. You know? And what it means, what it means to be, you can order that book at my website too, but you know, I, it's a really special book and the artist that did the work, all, everybody involved is a trans ally. Yeah. And that's why I have, and you can see in the background of this, of the show here, Seahorse Publications. That's yeah. why I started that. And I give you my quick Seahorse story. So while I was on the road, I was pretty sure I was both and I was trying to embrace being both and what that really meant. And I was finishing up my book and I went to the, I went to Hawaii. I was lucky enough to go to Hawaii and I went to the seahorse sanctuary. I took a little baby there and I went to the seahorse sanctuary and I got this whole story about the seahorse who saved all the other seahorses. But what was really special about the visit was I set this small little baby down that I was watching for somebody and I put my hands in this tank and this little seahorse came up and wrapped his tail, wrapped their tail oh, around wow. my pinky and laid down in my hand and looked at me like I was one of them. Wow. And in That's that crazy. moment, I knew that seahorses, their gender bending ways, that that was my totem. Wow. And I was like, wow, That's what a powerful beautiful. moment. That is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely beautiful. Well, make sure everybody check out the books. We have the ticker going. So if you didn't grab it, grab it. Um, where you can find Hollis, where you can find these books. I think they would be great. It's definitely great to add to the collection. Um, and thank you, Hollis, so much for coming and sharing your story with us. I think, I think it really, it can benefit the, you know, stories of medicine. And if it could touch one person out there, that'd be amazing. And give somebody a different perspective on what being trans is, what sex work is. I mean, it can open so many doors. So I just want to thank you so much for being a part of the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm very grateful to be on your show. I think it's fantastic to celebrate everybody's story. <laughs> thank you. Same. And with that, thank you everybody for being a part of the show and coming and visiting. And we will see you all next week. Support Rainbow Soul. Check out the Rainbow Soul merchandise for your favorite new shirt. A variety of colors and styles to suit your taste. Show off your love for Rainbow Soul.
get cool designs with your favorite quotes. Designs come in a variety of colors so that you can express your most authentic self. Support Rainbow Soul in spreading the word that queer, gender variant, intersex, transgender is sacred. Rainbow Soul, putting the soul back into queer. Order your unique Rainbow Soul merchandise at rainbowsoul.show. Jack of all trades, master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So what exactly does that mean? It is a figure of speech in reference to a person who has dabbled in many things rather than gaining expertise by only focusing on one. So much knowledge and wisdom out there, at our fingertips, yet so difficult to grasp. Everything and everyone has a little piece of the truth, and it is up to us to determine what our truth is. In this busy world, creating the time, the space to nourish our bodies, mind, and soul has become a difficult task. So let's take a moment to learn something, something small, in whatever way the universe decides to reveal it. It could be someone's story, a quote, a spiritual practice, maybe a song or a movie. The opportunities are limitless and all around us if we just take a moment to see. We are all students of life experiences. So let us learn from one another. There is no right or wrong path. There is only your path and your journey. So let's begin our adventure and explore all the world has to offer. And let us become a master of none.